Good morning. Welcome to uh, Monday Main Point. Uh, so it is Monday morning uh, when we're recording this. Um, and uh, we're going to be discussing the, the Sunday Sermon, which comes from Psalm 119. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second, but we thought it'd be a good idea. Uh, Jonathan's still in Armenia. Oh, sorry. I'm Jeremiah. Uh, Jeff's here. Jeff, our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy's here. And then Blake Flincham is here. Uh, he's our children's pastor. Uh, Jonathan's still not with us. He's in Armenia on a mission trip. And so we figured we'd take a second to uh, pray for that team, pray for safe travel. They are going to be coming back this week. So uh, Jeff's going to pray for us, and then we'll kind of get going with the discussion. All right. <clears throat> Lord, we come to you now. We thank you for today, and we pray for Jonathan as he uh, is still in Armenia doing your work. We thank you for being with the team so far, and we look forward to hearing the good good things they accomplished while they were there. And we just pray that you'll help them to uh, finish doing all the work that they uh, had went to do uh, the next couple of days. And as they prepare to come back, we pray for their safety and uh, that they'll get here uh, uh, on time. There won't be any delays with the flights and things like that. But we just pray, Lord, again, that you'll be with them and help them um, and we pray for the relationships that have been built there too, Lord, that some of them can be sustained. And uh, and we just pray, Lord, that if it's your will for YBA to, to continue a trip like that, that it will, be, it will happen in the future too. But we just pray for them as he travels back. Pray for his family too. I know they miss him. Pray for Autumn. I know she's, uh, it seems like she's on the other side of the world being in Utah, but with her dad being really on the other side of the world, I know it's been stressful for, stressful for them, but we know that they're, uh, they have faith in you that you're going to uh, do what you uh, plan to accomplish in all of their lives. For us. in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Yeah, Jonathan's uh, eight hours ahead of us, um, and he's ten hours ahead of Autumn, so it's like uh, just a big difference. Uh, Autumn's been needing help with the homework. Christina's been taking care of them, but yeah. We're excited for Jonathan. Um, we obviously want him back. We want him back safely. Um, but yeah, so Psalm 119, the sermon this Sunday was, uh, it was actually a quote from, what was the title, Jeff? From Dust to Life. From Dust to Life, which was a quote from uh, which passage you said? Well, you got the when title? I, when I uh, the Dust to Life came from me, but... Uh, when I did my two points, oh, that, that we'll okay. experience the dust of death. That dust oh, of death yeah, was yeah. from the NIV passage gotcha. that described Jesus in uh, Psalm 22, that he was brought to the dust of death, meaning, you know, the cross. He was going to experience yeah. death for everyone. So. Gotcha. So, yeah, it was titled uh, Dust to Life, um, and that's from Psalm 119, verse 25. I've got it right here, so I'll just read it. This is the New King James Version. Um, but it says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. And I'm going to I'm gonna nerd out a little bit because Psalm 119 is actually my second favorite chapter in the Bible. It's the longest chapter. 176 in verses. Yeah. So if you, uh, another cool thing, if you, if you don't know this, um, if you have a Bible in front of you and uh, you just open it up to the very middle of the of the book, you're almost always going to hit the Psalms. So uh, that's just a cool little nugget. Um, and you might even show up in Psalm 119 because it's so long. It's it's very long, just a whole lot of verses. The verses are very short, um, but every single verse in Psalm 119 is about God's word. And I think you said that in the sermon. Yeah, they're all they're all basically self-contained too. So each verse. Yeah says a truth about God's Word. Yeah. Uh, but then when you add them all together, because it, it uses uh, interchangeable words for God's Word, like commandments, yeah. your precepts, uh, your words. Statues. So, it, so it's, it, yeah. it uses several different uh, um, similar words that we use when we talk about the Bible. So I guess that's how it changes up a little bit. Uh, but, but yeah, every one of them are, are just nuggets that uh, you could read. Uh, you could read one a day, for you know what what would they be like a whole quarter you know we get to do a quarter yeah 176 yeah. verses or you could read um i think i did i divided it by uh seven i think you could read 25 verses and and do it in a whole week oh, so, okay. yeah but yeah it's that. it's one of those uh but i used to read through the bible 
um, they had a thing where, um, well, now, uh, I tell you what, I, one of the things I did when I first became a Christian, I heard that Billy Graham uh, read um, five Psalms and, and he read uh, a verse of, uh, a, a chapter, chapter of Proverbs every day. And if you did that, then um, it would get you through all the Psalms and all the Proverbs. And he did that every day. And so, uh, so I did that for like a year. Yeah. Did that, and and so like for every month, then you read through the whole book of Proverbs every yeah. single month. And then on the thirty first day of the month, uh, they would skip Psalm one nineteen. So on the thirty first day of the month, you did Psalm one nineteen because it was so long, one hundred seventy six verses. So that's um, a good way to uh, put God's word in your heart and life. That's kind of I guess I self discipled myself that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I first became a Christian, but. Um, but yeah, so this verse came to me because, um, you know, it was 9-11, it happened to be on a Sunday, <clears throat> and uh, when you're thinking about 9-11 uh, and everything that happened that day, um, you know, the, the thing that really struck me, like, the, like I said, was that all that dust, and actually last night during the football game, I was going to watch the Dallas football game, but the History Channel had, you know, I was there, so it was like five different people that actually documented everything that happened that day. And um, and so you got to relive everything, and you saw that dust and how it came out. But so um, so like any good person, if you're thinking about something, then you can always Google um, the word, or you know, put it in your um, concordance and see what the Bible says. Like the whole thing was about dust. Okay, well, what does the Bible say about dust? Of course, yeah. In the beginning, we're formed in the dust, and then we're told we're going to be returning to the dust. And then I came across this passage in 119. I was like, well, this is perfect because it really it really said what I thought, uh, how I felt about 9-11 when I saw those people and they had, they had all that dust and all that death and destruction because that dust actually represents all of that too. So I try to bring all that out in the sermon. So hopefully we did a pretty good job with it. But the good, cool thing about it was it's an actual teaching of the resurrection too because um, – <clears throat> When you look for the resurrection in the Old Testament, you really, really, really have to dig and look to find it. But it's there, but you got to really dig to find it. And that's one passage that uh, I believe that points to that resurrection. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, just going back to Psalm 119. Um, so it has verses like Psalm 119, 105, which is, uh, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. So every verse is about God's word. And another cool thing, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because it actually showed up on the screen on Sunday. So um, it's broken down. Psalm 119 is broken down in like kind of... Mm-hmm. Like paragraphs. Yeah, paragraphs. It's the alphabet. Yeah, it's the Hebrew alphabet. And this one was Daleth. Yeah, so if you pull up, if, you pull up, if you're opening up your Bible and you're with us, and, and if you saw it Sunday, you were probably like, what is that word? Because uh, when, we, when we showed the KJV, it was the first word. Yeah, I probably should. I didn't know it was on there. Yeah, I should have. I'm the one who put it on there. I could have backed it out, yeah. but I just put it in there because it it, Cause it showed up on my translations too, but I thought, well, it's probably not going to show up. Yeah. So I, I didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time yeah. uh, explaining all that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so that's that's the Hebrew. Uh, yeah, the Hebrew alphabet. And so uh, the way that works is kind of like an acrostic, I believe, is the way that thing works. Oh, it's alliteration. Yeah, yeah. alliteration, yeah. Uh, the first word in every sentence and every verse starts with that letter. Yes. So for the first eight verses is A, uh, 9 through 16 is B, mm-hmm. and so on, so on. So. This section starts uh, the D, which is Dalith, uh, yeah. verse 25. So that's why you saw that word on there. But it's also really cool. We don't get to see that in our English. We don't get to see the alliteration, or it could be an acrostic. It's just yeah. all the same letter. I hate yeah. how English sometimes limits like the magnificence of what, what the original language would have had. You yeah. just don't see that stuff with the English. Yeah, but you can learn it. Well, that's yeah. true. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So like, yeah. that's yeah. why we're teaching that. Right. In fact, then if you wanted to break some... Uh, 119 down you could do the sections each yeah. one of those sections too because it is sectioned out yeah if you got a study bible or a bible that has uh okay. notes and stuff would you say seven out. verses that'd probably get you real close if you just broke it down by letters i think it was 25 verse let's see i did seven yeah 20 yeah that'd be a whole month you could do seven yeah but yeah that's more than seven though yeah it's probably about 14 or so yeah 
All right, well, that's enough on us. It's just a really cool chapter. I like to highlight things in the Bible, get people excited about reading God's Word. And and honestly, if you just, if you're, if you're in a place right now where you just don't feel like God is speaking to you or... It's actually um, eight verses. Yeah. It's all almost, of verses. All of them are? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh if you if if you just need like a like a nudge when it comes to God's word, Psalm nineteen one nineteen is a very good place to start because yes. you get like three verses in, you're like, oh man, this is about the Bible, and you get fifty verses in, oh, this is about the Bible, and you yeah. get a hundred <laughs> verses in, you're like, it's just, it's just so good, and it talks about all the different avenues of what of what God's word does for the believer and for uh, people. So, um, just really cool. But now to the sermon. So sermon, <laughs> dust to death, kind of a, ref, a reflection, because yesterday was 9-11, kind of a real reflection. Um, we can talk about it for a second, uh, kind of your thought, like Blake's thoughts. Blake was very young. I was in sixth grade. Uh, so I remember it okay. Probably got a little different perspective. But let's just talk about 9-11 just for a little bit. So I actually don't remember it. You don't? How I old don't, were you? I was two. Oh, yeah, so, so you won't remember. Yeah. So, I, so and it kind of, in a way, because I'm like, man, I'd love to be able to empathize and sympathize with people on that day, but, I mean, I just can't. I mean, yeah. I don't remember it. Mom well, says you, I was watch, watching watch Katie. The, his, watch or, the History Channel. Yeah. And watch all that now, stuff. Now, I've seen some. You can stream it. Yeah, I've seen, like, some, like, I went, I've gone back and watched some of the videos, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I was horrified yeah, at yeah, it, yeah. but, I mean, it was just like. It's different than being like in the moment. Right yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like I, I just don't remember it. I mean, yeah. I, my mom always said that we were watching. I guess it was the Today Show with Katie Couric, where she was, and I was two and what. But I mean, obviously, I don't remember that. But so that's why, that's why on your sermon, I really, you know, I really liked when, um, you know, you talked about that reality of death because mm-hmm. um, it, it's promise for all of us so especially like for uh um one topics like that i think it's good you talked about um like the gen or, or you talked about the reality of death for somebody oh yeah i mean it was it was really that's it was it was a shock right and it's like it was death right in front yeah. of you I and mean, the, it's just thinking about those people in those planes just well not just that dude they yeah. they went over the top like just recording it on a loop, yeah, like over and over. In fact, they've made laws where they can't do that anymore because it wasn't brainwashing, but it was like everyone was just such in shock that, and then they kept showing it. It was like just this weird. I was only twelve, but I was twelve. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. Um, and I have an older brother who's four years older than me, so we were like. There was a lot, even the day of, there was a lot of talks of war and we're about to retaliate. And uh, and so we were like, man, if this war goes on, my brother, two years, might get drafted or whatever. Like, there was just a lot. I remember as a family, um, I actually don't remember many. I mean, we prayed a lot as a family, but I don't remember specific prayers, but we prayed for that. Mm. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and we pray for my my brother because that's just what we were all thinking about. Right. Um, so yeah, it was just it, it was. I mean, it's twenty one years ago now, so I yeah. can't think of anything since twenty one years ago that was kind of on this scale. No, not like that. And Maybe I, never in <clears throat> in American history except for Pearl Harbor. Yeah, um, where we get attacked on our own ground, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was on a Tuesday morning, so. I came by the church and I was getting ready to go to the prayer prayer group and um, and so I was talking to somebody one of what somebody we had on staff one of our I can't remember who was here at that time but the secretary uh, got a call and, and turned the TV on and said she came in and said I think we're under attack somebody just flew a plane into the World Trade Center I'm like really so uh, I went in there and watched it and the first one had already been hit and then I saw the second one. I'm like, oh, no. So I got in my car immediately and went to the prayer group because I didn't know if they knew or not. And they had people were kind of coming into that. And yeah. So we prayed, and then uh, we had an impromptu prayer thing at our church. We just opened the doors of church that night. Yeah. We had we had a good crowd came, and just, I mean, the altar was filled. We were just crying and praying, and we didn't know if we were under attack, what was going on. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, it was just it was just shock. It was just really yeah a shocking thing. Um, and I just became the official pastor in January, so this is my first year as being <laughs> the pastor. So that was what nine months in. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and kind of interesting for me too. Kind of made it kind of surreal. Um, I had just went to a, a pastors conference in San Diego like about a week or two earlier. Yeah. And I'm thinking. That could have been me because it was a plane headed to California. Those planes were headed to California, so they were fully, fully loaded with with uh, all their jet fuel. Right. Uh, so they it would be the biggest impact. So I'm like, I was thinking that could have been me, you know, just yeah, boom. I think Jonathan was in a similar situation. He was, I can't remember if it was the next day or the next week. Well, they were getting ready to get married. It was their honeymoon. Yeah. And they were going out of the country. Yes. So. He was very similar, like didn't know if they could go because they shut down all flights, obviously. And then after flying after that was a tra- not a train wreck, but it was like you had to go through so many loops. And they, they were like by the letter and heightened security. Right. And, you know, we all prayed and thought, you know, this word uses the word revive. Yeah. We thought this is going to be the revival. This is going to be the thing that wakes America up. And sure enough, the churches, we were full yeah. the next two or three weeks. Uh, after about two or three months, though, yeah. kind of went back to normal. Hmm. And I remember, I remember like the unity we felt, mm-hmm. and I was like, and even at that age, I was like, why did it take this for us to get unified for people to start focusing on Jesus? Dev does that, um, and and to be honest with you, death is tough for every worldview. You've got to wrestle with it, yeah. and it's also tough for. Like scientists and people who are very naturalist, like when you think about death, it it it, it can drive you to like, and that's what kind of the sermons on, especially point one. It can drive you to a relationship with God. Not that you want to, you're not not scared scared into a relationship right. with God, but it gets you thinking, and it's just right. part of those worldview questions. Everyone's got to answer them. Uh, what happens once we die? What, where did death come from? I I think that's a big question. Yeah. That, that's not really well, like a worldview question. Die? Yeah. yeah, and that one's for me one of the reasons I, I'm not a huge proponent of macroevolution uh, because they don't have a good explanation for death. Right. Um, at least yet. Maybe maybe they do, and I just haven't heard it. It's not convincing to me. But um, we got to figure out why why is death in the world? Where did it come from? Like, why do we die? Um, But, yeah. And I feel like for somebody like kind of like my age, I'm 23, and a lot of of people my age and, uh, you know, coming out of college, maybe doing a master's degree or something, they have this feeling of, like, invincible. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Like, they're feeling invincible. Um, and age group. and even just uh, just listening to this sermon on the way over here, you know, I'm kind of reminded, oh crap, man, this is actually a reality because <laughs> you just don't think about that when you're younger, you know. So, uh, I think you know, and I well, you, I like what you talk about with it wrestling. I mean, I was even kind of feeling some like wrestling, like man, that's a it's kind of a bummer a little bit, you know, that it, like it is this way, yeah, you know, and but obviously with the word, it uh, offers some more hope for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so point one was uh, just straight up. The, the, ti- the title of the point or the point was that we all we will all experience the dust of death. But then uh, Jeff had this quote um, that he kind of came up with, like a sub point that says, We were created from dust, and because of sin, we will return to dust. And then you quoted a whole bunch of scriptures talking about from dust to death, mm-hmm. uh, like two from Job, uh, a couple from Genesis, which I, I found interesting. Just that early, like uh, what was it, Genesis three nineteen? Yeah. Um, well, three uh, two seven that you know that how yeah. he formed us from the dust and breathed into us. Yeah. And then uh, three nineteen was the curse. Yeah. You know the sweat of your brow, and then you're going to turn back from where you came from. You're yeah. going to go back to the ground. And there's one that said that maggots. Was that? Uh, oh, that was the one that's in Joe. Joe 21. Talking it's, about everybody, how like the rich and the healthy and wealthy die and the poor, but they're all going to go and get turned to dust and get eaten by the same maggots. Yeah, dude. It's like. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. No. And that's what like naturalists, um, they believe, uh, 
you know, it, they call it worm food, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all just become worm food. That's yeah. what we are. And I guess some people are encouraged by that or find comfort in that. Like you're a part, you become a part of the natural world or whatever. And I'm like, that's not very comforting me to me. No. Um, and you didn't know this, but I, I was I was teaching on Ecclesiastes last night. Oh yeah, now they have a. Oh man. Well, they have a quote in there too. I was going to use yeah. this Ecclesiastes three. Yeah. Where he talks about we're like animals. We're just going to die, and that's the yeah. end of it. So we might as well just work. Yeah. Enjoy life, and that's really if you look at Ecclesiastes, it's all about living your life apart from God. Yeah. Trying to find the same satisfaction in something else, and he went through everything. Before he gets to his conclusion, like, man, I really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I should have followed God all my whole life. Yeah, like everything. And I and I, I did this little thing with my students. Like, I'm like, what does the world tell us? Don't don't think about the Bible. Don't think about that time. What does the world tell us is the meaning to life? Like, brings you the most fulfillment. And immediately they they're all saying uh, wealth. Money. Uh, then they said fame, and I and I was like, well. Really, no one wants to be famous unless you get rich. The reason everyone wants to be famous is because it comes with money. Well, but a, a, a school shooter gets fame. Yeah, I mean that's like rich. I guess bad. Like like there's maybe like a bad people. kind of fame. Yeah, you know, maybe a good fame and a bad fame. But then the other one was pleasure, right? Yeah. And relationships, mm-hmm. and of course, if it's Solomon who wrote it, and I think it is like. He's like, dude, I, tr- I tried it all. Yeah. I did it all. That's I had hard. the means to pursue whatever I wanted. Yeah. I did it all, and guess what? It was it was, it was vapor. Yeah. It was dust. Yeah. It was empty. Nothing. Nothing. And then at the end, the very last chapter, and I know I'm going way off the rails to Ecclesiastes, but it matters. It, it, it's, uh, and like you said, uh, Ecclesiastes 3 just like says, quotes yeah. basically Genesis 3.19. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the very end, he's like, look, here's the end of the matter. Fear God and keep His commands. Uh, just going back to God's word. Fear God, keep His commands. But before that, in the same chapter, just a few verses up, it talks about figure this out while you are young. Yes. Figure this out while you are young, and your life will be like so much better. Yes. Like like fulfilled. You talk about fulfilled life, and I told that to my students. Yeah. I'm like. I'm like, you guys have the meaning to life. You have the answer to satisfaction, success, and you found it at such a young age. But you're going to have friends and all throughout the rest of your life who struggle so much trying to find what you have now. Mm. And I said, just hold on to that. Like, then this is why, well, I don't know, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I was going to talk about, <laughs> I'm not a goal oriented person, right. but I'm not going to chase that rabbit. But, uh, just finding that that fulfillment um, and and all the quotes like the Job quote. I'll just read the Job quote. It's very good. So it comes from Job twenty one uh, twenty three through twenty six. And you quoted another one from Job thirty four also. Yeah, that but, was later on. Yeah, but the Job twenty one uh, says one person dies in prosperity, completely comfortable and secure, the picture of good health, vigorous and fit. Another person dies in bitter poverty, never having tasted the good life. But both are buried in the same dust, both eaten by the same maggots. Yeah. And I just thought about the queen just died. Oh, oh yeah. It, so it's humbling, she's no right? different from us. She's yeah. dead. She's gone. She's going to be dust. <laughs> I mean, she's not gone. I shouldn't say right. that. Because uh, we do, we, we all, we all, we'll live forever. Um, but I mean, you're talking about the good life. If anybody had the good life on this earth, yeah. she did. Yeah, I mean, pretty much anything she wanted, she could have. Yeah. And like, just like Solomon. And like y'all were saying, Ecclesiastes, like the, the fate's the same, you know, for physical body. Mm-hmm. You know, death is death. Mm-hmm. You know, for Queen Elizabeth has the same uh, end as what somebody like Ted Bundy does or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, death and death. Yeah. And it's just like, it's kind of somber thought a little bit, you know, if, if you don't have hope. But thankfully we do. And it's not a respecter of persons. Mm-hmm. No. It doesn't, I mean, the surgeon, the rich people, the famous athletes. In fact, I I find it interesting. It talks about the vigorous and the fit. Yeah. They're still going to die. Yeah, in fact, in fact, sometimes they die while Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, like all of us heard the person yeah. was like, oh, he was a jogger and he was in perfect health. He died of a heart attack? Yeah. You know, at 29, 
Or those guys who die on a soccer field. Yeah. Or Kobe. I mean, Kobe had was, great oh, health. yeah. But just dies tragically. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you could argue he might have died early because of his wealth. I mean, how often are you in a helicopter? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it's just tra- it's tragic, right? Yeah. But and, and that's another thing that we felt. I know you weren't there for 9-11. Right. But, like, the whole world felt like, at least America, felt like, oh, no, man. Kobe just retires. Mm-hmm. Like he's rich and famous and got a whole his whole life ahead of him basically, and it, we're just we're just met with death. Yeah, and his just, daughter, young. Yeah, and dude. Doing, he was yeah, he was, was investing in the WNBA. Yeah, in the next generation, yeah. and and Trying and to, then just in an instance, just gone. Of course, I'm I'm wrestling with this still. Uh, I guess I can announce this, but. Uh, um, Kara's mom died. You all know that. So right. we, we're wrestling with that. But Kara's sister last night uh, just had her baby. Oh, wow. So, uh, and, I, and they texted me, so I'm pretty sure the whole family knows now. But uh, So she had her baby. So yeah. we're, we're exci- like, there's some excitement, right? Uh, new life. Uh, but still, like, we're, we're mourning. Oh, yeah. It's a, bittersweet. A loss. Yeah. And so, um, and just, I mean, just in an instance, just to dust and and the whole sermon because uh, we don't want to focus on point one we want to get to yeah. point two yeah but but you need to know point one yeah to to feel the richness and the and the That's excitement right. for, right. for point two and i know it was such a I mean, especially you're looking right at death, and that's why yeah. I wanted to make sure I brought Jesus into the death side yeah of it too and I quoted about how he t- tasted death for everyone and then. And I shared the passage in uh, Psalm 22 that actually is yep. a depiction of the crucifixion. And, and that's that, that phrase, dust of death. I'm like, oh, man, that's great. That's, yeah. I'm going to use that to describe death. Yeah. So um, so then that gets us to the, okay, well, even he died, so now what? And that gets us to the second second one. Well, yeah, I mean, well, not to move uh, too fast because it kind of goes on Jonathan's sermon from last week. uh um, when you talk about he tasted death, like mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus in human form mm. couldn't even escape it. Right. I mean, he obviously overcame it, and it was the last enemy. Like, he, but it was a reality for him. It was a reality, and yeah. he came. He came to earth knowing, yeah, that was his reality. Um, and so I mean, just it just it highlights Jesus even more, like because he knew that probably on earth, this is the worst. Thing, yeah, on earth, right? Well, I mean, especially the way he died. Death too, is, is death has got to be the worst thing. It's got because there's be. been people that's, I mean, you look at some of the vets and all come back from wars, surviving without limbs and their face disfigured from, you know, a bomb or something. Yeah, people still survive and live and can have being, uh, you know, in in very difficult states. Yeah, but death is like, that's it. You yeah. Know? You and know, it feels there's no it's like that's the end there's no there's that separation there's no coming back you can go to them but they're not coming back to you kind of thing and it feels from our perspective on earth it feels eternal mm-hmm. like like this is the hours. end this is it this yeah. is final it really does because I, I'm not going to see my mother-in-law anymore right like from our perspective it feels the way the way we feel. I know in reality this is not the case, and right. that's we're, yeah. we're we're leaning into point two again. But in reality, this is not the case. But the way it feels, especially if you're not a believer, mm. you don't believe in resurrection or even reincarnation. So there's other there's other ways to cope with this that aren't accurate. But for I think the general public, it feels like it's final, and they think it's final, and so it's. Horrible. When you hear people talk, um, you know, after somebody, you know, tragically died or something, they'll talk like, and that guy ain't never going to see his daughter again. That guy's not going to see his wife again. You know, they talk. Yeah. They do, And the way they even talk is like it's final. Like there's yeah. never. And you can just, and it's like, it's those moments, it's like, I really just want to tell you the gospel because it's like, you know. It, there's hope. Yeah. yeah, there's hope, you know. There's hope to live forever. You know? And I think that's why we have to be reminded of death and the finality of it on this earth. Yeah. 
because we do have the hope of the gospel. And that's, I think, everybody, um, like you were talking about being young, if somebody on your seminary campus, your age, died in a car wreck, you know, on 98, yeah. then everybody in your age group and all, you're going to say, oh, be wow, rough. that could have been me. Yeah. Be. And I yeah. think that's what happens in life. Uh, like you look at schools and stuff, when somebody, a young person dies, yeah. everybody comes to, it makes you come face to face. Yeah. You know, like we had, during COVID, you know, we had the young man that died. It was, you know, just right out of college. And we are, our church was full of, and they were in the front yard watching it online. Yeah. You know, but all of them were coming face to face with the reality of, you know, that could have been me. You know, yeah. that, that's what happened to me in my life. And, yeah. it, and it turns you either one or two ways. It turns you to, to looking for truth in God. Or it turns you into being, you know, maybe cynical or, you know, angry or whatever. Um, in my case, it turned me to God. So I think that's why we as Christians, we always, you know, bring people back to the, the truth that, yeah, this is death. It is real. We're going to experience it. But, you know, the good news of that uh, wages of sin passage is that we have this free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I feel like as a Christian, <clears throat> the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have the ability to look at death in a little bit of a different way, not just as the final thing, but almost as like a passageway to live with Jesus forever. And obviously you still have the you know the melancholy of it the sad part of it but the good news with christianity i mean i you can see it in a little bit of a different way too and um whereas you know if you don't look at it that way you really have no other option but to be somber about it and with it you at least have some hope in hey there is hope you know obviously i mean it's not like excitement or anything like that but you do know well hey look this isn't the end well and if you if you're not uh real sure about death and the afterlife and uh resurrection and all those things then it's hard to be a pastor because you face death all the time all the time uh more than when you think about as a is in a church setting except for the emts and the doctors and people like that we we come we come face to face with death more often than anybody. Mm. Like you know, somebody could come to a funeral, but they may not go to another funeral for three years, right. or five years. Well, we'll have a funeral just about you know once or twice a quarter. You know that there's somebody that has a death or somebody connected to our church in some way that there was a death. So we come face to face with it all the time. So if if we're not strong in in what we believe, then it's hard for us to provide comfort for the families. That are out there when we have those opportunities to speak at their mm. funerals and stuff. Yeah. So um, it's just important for us to, and I think our people we have to remind them all the time too that uh, because they don't come in contact with death as often as we do, yeah. uh, as right. well. That that there is hope, there is a resurrection. We will see people again. Um, you know, if your name's written in that book of life, yeah. uh, you know, you're you're established you're going to be with god forever you're going to worship him and um you know when when it comes back you know you're, you're going to be resurrected if you're dead you're going to be trans transformed translated whatever word you want to use when he if you're hit alive when he comes back yeah. um it's going to be that's going to be the exciting time yeah um but it's hard to get people to think about that when they're going through the death part. Mm-hmm. yeah for sure it's very hard and sure. uh i brought it up earlier and i kind of assumed the answer but uh, for the sake of not assuming, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch this question, to y'all, and either one of y'all could answer. But uh, why do we die? I mean, why do we die? I think that's a good. I think yeah. we need to answer that so that we can go to point two and, and kind of for sure. talk about and, the remedy. And scripture's clear in the um, creation account that um, God told Adam and Eve, you know, if the day you eat of this, you will surely die. Now. Obviously, looking back, they didn't die automatically, but you put a New Testament lens on that. Uh, the wages of sin is death. So the payment for sin, uh, what we've done is separates from that punishment is death. Yeah. You sin against an eternal God that requires an eternal consequence. It's only just. Um, so, And that's that's why, because we have rebelled against, against God. That's the human punishment for sin is death. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so hopefully that. 
And that's why Jeff quoted Romans 6.23. He did yeah. it twice, both on point one yeah. and point two. Uh, because you're right, that is the New Testament lens on kind of what happened in Genesis. Yeah. But uh, Well, in Genesis 2, when, when they... The knowledge of good and evil was what they were, were not supposed to eat from. But mm-hmm. there was another tree called the tree of life. Yep. And so God said, we're going to send them away from, I'm paraphrasing, from Eden yep. so that they will not eat of the tree of life. Because if they would have ate of the tree of life in that sinful state, um, then they would have been eternally in that sinful state. Yeah. And so, um, um, so I think... Uh, death came because because of that, but the tree of life is available for us, and that's the eternal life, and that comes through Jesus Christ. But that that sin came from that fall, yeah. And um, it didn't take long for it to pass to the next generation because as soon as they had a couple sons, Abel, of course, was killed by his brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like, I mean, talk about shock. Yeah. You know, seeing those planes hit. I mean, think about it. if you're Adam and Eve, and you were in this perfect thing now, and you messed up, and now you have these two sons, and now you're, one of your sons killed the other son. Um, and your your picture, because the first picture of death though was when when they they tried to clothe themselves in fig leaves, and God had to slay an animal to cover them. That was the first sacrifice, yeah. and so that's when death really entered the picture. And uh, as a covering for their sins yeah. by the blood, and so, so I don't know if I answered it correctly or what you were looking for, but I think it was because of the sin, uh, because of sin, we can't we can't stay in this state, yeah, and it's going to corrupt, it's going to die and corrupt, yeah, um, and it's going to decay, and um, you know, if if apart from that though. Um, then if, if Adam and Eve never would have been tempted, never would have sinned, and then they protected the tree of life, then they would have been forever in a perfect state. In paradise, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, that's a super long answer. Um, <laughs> I could have just said sin, and then we'd clarify yeah. a little bit. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, really, it's just sin. But just to give you the back, back yeah. Yeah. of, of, of why, why, I think, why did it happen and why did, why did it, uh, it have to, to come? Yeah. Um, and you know God gives us a free will and because we have a free will all of us really we're looking at all three of us but uh, all three of us have the capacity if we wanted to to go out and shoot somebody and kill them you know it's just that that sin sin nature that capacity that that's there yeah Um, you know we live in a world you know there was a shooting in Durham last night you know where someone was killed we live in a world where, I mean, we look at the reality of death, but there's a lot of people see the reality of death more daily on a daily basis than we do, just by the, by the fact where they live and, and things like that, yeah. uh, and, and the culture and everything that we live in right now. So death, death seems to be prevalent everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, every time you turn on the local news, it seems like there's death, yeah. there's a shooting, there's something. And, and, you know, and most of the popular movies and all, there's got to be some kind of death involved some way, whether it's a, a war movie or a fighting aliens or whatever. So it, we're just consumed by it. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but it's a reality. Um, yeah. We need to know kind of where it comes from. If, if it is our greatest enemy and our biggest bane, bane of our existence, like we need to have a good kind of theology around it. And so... Um, yeah, that's that's where it comes from. Uh, but point two, uh, we're all itching to get there. Point two uh, is this. The, the dust of death is not the end of our existence. It's not the end. And here's the kind of sub-pointer quote. Uh, Jeff says, We were created for an eternal existence and will be resurrected to life or death. And so... Now Jeff talks about what about after death? What about because there's 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 more after this life. Death is not the end, and so what happens after? And then uh, obviously you go into heaven and hell and and that whole discussion. But uh, we want to make sure and obviously be more on the like hope side, encouragement side as believers. Like, hey, this is not the end. 
you can you can live forever with Jesus, but just know that if you reject Jesus, you also have an eternal existence apart from God. And right. so, and it's called the second death. Yeah, it's called second death in Revelation twenty. You 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 read all those. You read you read Hebrews. You read yeah, uh, good support in scriptures. Yeah, uh, Revelation. You, you went to. Daniel, yeah. You Daniel, Daniel was the one 12. that Paul kind of quoted yeah. when he was giving his defense yeah. about the resurrection. And uh, and then that other quote from... Uh, uh, I had a quote from Isaiah. Yep. You quoted in two different versions. Yeah. It's kind of a long verse. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, First Thessalonians 4, which... Mm-hmm. I'm with you. You got to do it at the graveside. I, I don't. I don't know of a better text uh, when talking about our hope that comes through Christ and mm-hmm. and why it is we don't we don't have to mourn like the rest of the world. Right. Uh, because and it, and it has the gospel right in it too. Oh yeah. If we believe yeah. that Jesus died and rose again, you know we're going to live. Yeah. And we're going to be be returned to Him. So. And that's the good news. Yeah. So like. I talk about, like, we always, if you focus on the bad news, you're just a jerk. Right. Right? So if you just teach people you're going to die, like, you're just a jerk. You're going to die and go to hell. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't want to. What's the good news? It doesn't matter. I don't like you. And I think think some people think that's them sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, in its essence, the gospel is good news. Right. What in the world did you think? What part of that did you think was good news? Right. You're going to die and go to hell. Or everyone's going to die. That's not good news. We It might be a reality. Death and taxes, right? The only two real yeah. realities. Yeah, yeah. Right. It might be a reality. But it's not good news. But it's not any good stretch news. of the imagination. But we have the good news. And that's what yes. all point two was all about. And, and that's why I love Romans 6.23. You quoted it both in the beginning right. and quoted it in the end. Because if you just stop at the wages of sin is death... That's not good news. <laughs> no. Right. Well, even uh, uh, Penn Gillette, I think he's like a famous magician or something. He's got the famous quote of like, he's like, look, don't get me wrong. By no means am I religious, but I respect people who proselytize. Because if you truly believe that somebody's going to hell and you don't tell them, how much do you have to hate that person? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually a really Yeah, me and Jonathan good, both quoted him. Yeah. yeah, that's like a really good quote from... You know, somebody who's like an atheist. And I feel like sometimes, I mean, you know, you think the first thing that comes to mind a lot of times like street preachers, and it's like, it's never good news. It's just like gloom and doom, which may be true in a sense, but you, I mean, why are you just preaching bad news? You know, that's not the gospel. The work, like you said, isn't bad news. I mean, you got to understand the bad news for the good news to be even sweeter. But I I don't think God looks down as like is pleased when if we just give somebody bad news because we're called to be witnesses of the good news. And if I'm being honest, for the most part, that beginning part is kind of assumed in our culture. We don't have to convince people they're sinners. Right. You might have to convince them of a specific sin. Right. That's a sin. Right. Right. But not ultimately that they're a sinner. I mean, it's common. Like, what is? What do we say? Oh, it's human nature, mm-hmm. or uh, nobody's perfect. Right. Those are those right. are quotes you hear weekly, if not daily. Yeah. Just in the culture, just yeah. in movies, and mm-hmm. everyone knows there's something wrong. Right. So, and I don't know why we got to focus there when it's already pretty much assumed. I'm a sinner. I n- not in those terms, but I'm not perfect. I have a human nature. I make mistakes. That's assumed, right? Yeah, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, stuff like that. You know. So what we need to do is is all right. Well, here's the penalty for that. Yeah. Because there is a penalty. Because right. I don't think, I don't think, general culture, they know they're a sinner, but I don't think they think there's an ultimate penalty for that. Right. So there is a penalty, but don't stop at the penalty for that sin. Get to the remedy for the sin real quick. Like, That's right. And, and and we we were convinced of that with COVID for the last what is it three years now, like COVID's a reality. It's there. Uh, we can talk about it all day long, but at the end of the day, what's the remedy? How do we how do we fix this? Do we is it is it vaccines? Is it 
is it uh, mask? Yeah, mask. Is it Social distancing? Vitamins is it, is it, or whatever. You know? Vitamins. Yeah. yeah. Do I need to drink more water? Like <laughs> orange juice or whatever. I want to know the remedy for this thing. Yeah. Let's let's not focus on the political and the and the fight and uh, let's not make this about all that. Let's 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 get to the results. Yeah. And, and that's Christianity. We can focus on the negative, and and you should. You've got to talk about the penalty, but very quickly get to like here's the remedy for sin and this is why jesus is so awesome uh in not a judgy way um, right because that's why i had a friend uh i wasn't they, they were let's let's just say they were drinking right i was with a group of people and they were drinking a whole lot so who knows if they were coherent in this conversation um but they looked at me very seriously and was like why do you why do you love Jesus so much? And I'm like, because I am a sinner. Mm. Because I know how much I've sinned, and I know how, how, how much Jesus has done for you, done for me. Right. And so it's not, it's not because I'm better than other people. It's because I recognize my sin right. and realize I needed a Savior. I needed a rescuer. And I think, I think that, that recognizing your sin draws you to a deeper relationship with Jesus. You have a deeper appreciation for grace and for mercy and for relationship with him and and everything that he did for me because he didn't have he's the only person on earth who walked on earth and didn't have to die. Right. It wasn't a reality for uh-huh. him. Right. He chose to do it in my place yeah. and for and, me. And even and even for people who like yes we recognize it more but don't hear us wrong. We're not saying we're better people because we recognize it more. No. By not by any stretch. You know, we're just we're thankful that the Lord showed us, and we're trying to show others like, hey, look, you are in desperate need of this. And I'm not judging because I was in desperate need of yeah. this. You know, I was telling the kids last night our um our uh we were going through Romans uh Romans twelve, and it was like, how do we love God and love our enemies at the same time? Because a lot of times we feel like you know. Our enemies deserve what they get, and at the end of that passage, it's like a uh, don't repay anyone for evil, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, stuff yeah. like that. And I'm like, you know, a lot of times we'll think, well, our enemies don't deserve anything that's good to them. Yeah. And we, and I told them, you know, as Christians, we have to realize, well, hold on, hold on. We, we actually deserve the same thing they do. Yeah. But our message, our job as Christians is to tell them about this grace, about this mercy, about this forgiveness, because... We can easily fall into this, well, we deserve it, but they don't. No, that's definitely not biblical whatsoever. We have to remind ourselves, hey, look, there was nothing I ever did to deserve this. Um, and we have to have that same outlook for people. And I'm telling you, even if you don't like them, you yeah. know, who knows why, you know, who knows why you don't, I don't know. But you've got to remember, they are a person who is in desperate need of Jesus. And yeah. you have a message that they need. And who knows? Who knows what the Lord can do if you go tell them about Jesus? Yeah, and you know uh, when you think about the <clears throat> the guys that flew those planes into those buildings, one of the guys on one of the planes, you know, they found out who, who all they were and where they were at in America. One of them was from it was here in North Carolina. It went to a Chowan, which was uh, it's called a historical Baptist school now. It was a Baptist mm-hmm. one of our Baptist state schools. Wow. So one of those hijackers was a student at Chowan. Wow. And you think, so here this guy is. He's in America. He's going to a Baptist school. I wonder if he ever heard the gospel. I wonder if anybody ever approached him or talked to him about a relationship with God. Because hmm. the problem is, uh, like with some of the universities and schools, including Duke, so, uh, so I just want to pick on Baptist, but I'll pick on Methodist too, they open up their religion department and where they were founded on Christianity at one time, now they say, well, we're just open to anybody and everybody, and then you just worship God the way you please, and there's no real trying to get people to, to come to Christ anymore at yeah. these places, which is really sad um, because, you know, that could have changed a life. Yeah. And even though people wanted to go and, attack our enemies and go to war and all that and that's the government's response yeah um but yeah i'd rather us attack them with a bunch of missionaries and send a bunch of people that would be willing to share the gospel yeah 
And so a lot of those people are living in America now that come from many of these countries that were considered our enemies and probably still are. They're here now. Yeah. And so we have our opportunity to to uh, be on mission, not only with our people, uh, people that like us, but people that are here that aren't like us as well. Yeah. And uh, because the reality is uh, they're going to die without Christ too. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole point of the second point was you have a choice. The appointment of death comes. We don't have a choice in that first death, but the second death, you can't escape that, and that comes through that relationship yeah. with Jesus Christ. I like I like how you said there are a lot of those people that maybe represent some of those countries who were involved are here, and if and just full transparency, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of people think that people of the Muslim faith are our enemies because they all claimed Islam, and most of them claimed Islam. Who did that? And so there was like this uh, stigma, this uh, uh, hatred towards Islam, and. We as Christians, we just we can't fall into that. And just specifically on, you know, just thinking about 9-11 and stuff like that because, you know, a lot of, you know, we don't want to be bigots to these people. We don't want to be um, terribly mean to these people, you know, um, because um, they, like you said, they need the gospel too. Mm-hmm. And we can't let, specifically on those, how many ever hijackers are, I have no idea affect our whole view of these people and let that distort their our realization of their need for the gospel. So I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, we just need to trust God. Like, trust Him that He's going to make it right. He's going to right the scales. Like, He is going to enact justice. But it's, our, it's not our job to enact justice. It's our job to explain justice and mercy and grace and knowing that sin will be paid for or has been paid for by Jesus, right? Um, knowing that that God is going to make it right in the end, that vengeance is His. Mm. Literally, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I think that's in Romans 13, still talking about yeah. government. Uh, yeah, and that's reiterated in Romans 12, too, where yeah. we were at last night, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I showed that clip from that um, that photographer that was Bible yeah. that that the fireman gave the Bible to, because he kind of couched everything too, because he's saying, you know, revive me according to your word. Yeah. And um, so I didn't really, I didn't really uh, bring that. I was just wanted to show that because it was cool when it was yeah. emphasizing God's word. Yeah. But it was interesting that the passage that. Was, was there was the Jesus passage about turn, know, the other turn the other cheek mm-hmm. and it's like oh my gosh you know and that and that guy I don't believe he's a believer in Christ yeah I don't really know but he recognized the fact that this this book these words have meaning and they've been yeah. had meaning for thousands of years and here we're two thousand years after Jesus and they still have the same meaning and it's the written word the spoken word the living word. Um, that's that's what our faith and trust is is in that that he's going to revive us according to what he said, and through what he said, and by what he said, and then when he says it, it's going to happen. And so it's pretty interesting that it, it kind of all goes back to creation, which the spoken word he spoke everything into existence. But yeah. with man, he formed man and then breathed into man. Yeah. But then at the end, he's going to speak, and everybody's going to come back to life. Yeah. And then he's going to judge everybody. So, um, and the thing about it is, we don't have to guess. You know, a lot of people. You know, I was, I was talking to some people. You know, that are Christians, and they're all like, all this speculation, what's going to happen? Like, we really don't have to guess. It's written here. We know what's going to happen. And um, and by knowing that, and if we trust that then we have an answer then for somebody that's struggling and they want to know and they want to know the truth and they're searching for truth. If we come across like, well, I don't really know, then what good are we? We do know. It's written in his word. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we can just tell them like, yeah, you know, like uh, I was at a funeral a couple of weeks ago and we was talking to us, uh, a girl that had different viewpoints about, um, you know, I think she was more into reincarnation, past lives, stuff like that. But I was trying to sh- tell her, and I was using these kind of passages like, it's appointed and a man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. And uh, 
that that you know we're going to die, but we're going to we can also live. And and uh, I had just read that passage from uh, Thessalonians, yeah. so I kept pointing her back to know we have an answer. It's Jesus, and if you can find Jesus, you can find the answer yeah. that you're searching for. And um, so I think I think we just need to be as Christians, we need to be solid in our beliefs, and don't be wishy washy about it. Yeah. Because if it's the truth, and if we don't believe it is the truth, then we're wasting our time and our energy and our effort. You know? yeah. And we have the, and that's what point two. We have the, we have the word, right? Like we have the Bible, and it is our authority. It's not our ultimate authority, but it it gets its authority from our ultimate authority, and it points us to Jesus, and it points us to God, and. And uh, there's a lot you can bring out about the Bible and how it revives us and how it, how we live according to it um, and how Jesus is the Word uh, uh, that became flesh, right? But ultimately, like, John 14, 6 is so crucial to our theology about yes. who Jesus is yes. and where eternal life comes from. John three sixteen, eternal life, right? Um, but Jesus is the life. And so when, when the Bible talks about revive me according to your word, it is only accomplished through Jesus, mm-hmm. which we only know about Jesus through the word. Yes. That's right. I mean, we know about Jesus because he came to earth. But personally, I didn't I didn't get to chill with Jesus. Like, I, right. I wasn't around. Right. So I only know about Jesus because of his word. And he's given us his word and he's sustained his word and... Uh, it's still living and active and breathing and, you know, uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut the That's bone good. and the marrow into the heart. Like, it it is it is the life-giving, breathing word that revives us. Now, Jesus saves us. Our, our, our salvation comes only through a relationship with, with Jesus. But as far as believers are, this is our authority. This is, this is what we stand on. Um, it should it should be that important in the life of the believer, and so to see that video, and like maybe this guy's not a believer, but he he recognizes like the importance, even if it's like a relic to him, it's like a symbol to him. Not for us, it's like everything. It's it's yes. it's the the lifeblood of the believer is God's word. That's what we stand on. We have no authority apart from it. Uh, we submit to it. When we talk about the Lordship of Christ, really it's submitting to His Word. Um, you can say you follow Jesus all day long, but if you don't follow His Word, then you you don't really. He's not really your Lord. What you're saying is, I I know better than you, Jesus. But um, I know I wanted to just kind of highlight that because uh, it's clearly in the text. And uh, if you had a third point, you probably would have like went deeper into the word like the actual word yeah, of god yeah, yeah, yeah. um but the sermon i i like we i like the two points and i like where you landed on everlasting life and heaven and hell like super important especially new testament lens type stuff and so very good sermon uh uh encouraged uh by it and um just want our, our listeners to know that death's not the end and so we're almost out of time y'all, y'all want to bring up anything else I think I'm good. I mean, it's just uh, just take time this week to reflect on the goodness that yeah. death isn't the end. Yeah. And uh, always, always use whatever topic you're talking about to point it back to Christ and his goodness because um, one of his I am statements is I am the resurrection. Yeah. And, and hope is, yeah, yeah the resurrection and the life. And don't keep that a secret this week. Tell somebody the good news of that. Yeah. Tell somebody... An, you never know what the Lord can do through through your obedience. Yep. And uh, Jeff, what we got going on this uh, next week? Well, I'm actually going to talk about um, a passage about uh, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself. Mm. So I'm, I'm thinking about the whole thing. What does that mean to deny Is yourself? Is it Luke 9? Yeah, yeah Luke, Luke 9, 9, 23. That was my first well, it's actually in, It's Luke, Matthew, and Mark. Yeah. So probably look at all three versions, get yeah. something out of each one of them. But uh, but the primary one being Luke. You'll tell us, because you'll do the research. I think 
Luke 9 is the only one who says take up his cross daily. Yeah, it's the only one who has daily. Don't, yeah. don't jump ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is why I like that one yeah. the yeah. most for uh, yeah. for that statement. But yeah. I think it's in a lot of this and not Because, I mean, we, li- like you, we, we talked about the culture a little bit. And you, when yeah. you were talking about your young people, we live in a culture that's not about denying yourself. No, no it's embracing yourself. Right. And so as we as Christians, sometimes we forget that we're supposed to In fact, ourselves. I... I was doing the spiritual disciplines a while back. I made a I make the argument that I think self denial is one of the spiritual disciplines. Mm. I think you can make an argument from scripture and of course Jesus being the example that self denial is a spiritual discipline. Something that we should practice and do. Uh, well, we're going to talk about that next week on the yeah. podcast. You're going to talk about We're already this excited to talk about. Yeah, I'm already ready for that one. <laughs> yeah. So, it's going to uh, be good. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, uh, we love all of our listeners. If you ever have questions or want to text us, uh, get in touch with Paige or just text us if you have our numbers. Uh, we're available to you, uh, and we appreciate uh, all of you. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.